0: Welcome to the Dead and Married podcast. Welcome back to the Dead and Married podcast. This is Travis,
1: and I'm Ashley.
0: And this week we've got a treat for you. We are not going to do one movie. We're going to do four. We're going to be handling. Yeah, we're going to handle the Wishmaster series. See if we can get through all all four movies in an hour. (laughs) It shouldn't be that hard. (laughs) Because let's face it, there's not a lot to talk about. So this is not going to be an in depth sort of step-by-step step review. I know we don't really do them step-by-step step anyway, but this is going to be more of an overview of the four movies, right? Right. Uh-huh. Uh, we are going to do them one at a time, but an overview of the four movies and kind of what we think about them at the
1: end. All right, so let's dive in. And now it's time for your obligatory spoiler warning. We don't just spoil movies here, they are spoiled rotten, so listen at your own risk or turn back now.
0: Okay, so first up is the Wishmaster Number One. Uh, It was made. It was
1: (laughs) the number one. (laughs) Yeah, it was
0: the it was number one. So it was made in nineteen ninety seven, directed by Robert Kurtzman, uh, written by Peter Atkins. Now, this is the only one that Peter Atkins actually wrote. Right, all the other three were based on these characters, but
1: different writers. Different writers. And for those of you who don't know, Peter Atkins also wrote some of my favorite films ever. First three, four. First four Hellraiser movies. So he already had some writing pedigree behind him, whether or not you enjoy those. But I enjoy Peter Atkins writing. And Robert Kurtzman, we may know this is his directorial debut because he is best known from his work in Effects Group.
0: Okay, so kind of the quickie version of the the plot is uh, an ancient gen gets trapped by some 1,100. Uh, Persian wizard and eventually the gem that he has been, the fire opal that he's been captured in ends up in the possession of this woman and she unwittingly releases him and it, after that it's basically him trying to collect souls and get her to make three wishes so he can bring his evil jinn brethren to earth. So that's a that's a very rough synopsis of the movie. What did you think about it?
1: Well, I know that you've gotten on to me or <laughs> picked on me for uh, saying that I adore movies all the time, but this is another one that I really, really enjoyed. I think I saw it when I was maybe 15 or 16. And just from, I mean, there's so much to love about this movie and I have a lot that I love about this movie, starting with just, and everybody knows this by now, the epic casting you know, or Andrew Devoff is our gin. He's absolutely amazing. We've got a huge, huge horror pedigree in this film. I mean, it's like the expendables of (laughs) of horror movies, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah. I mean, you're only missing uh, Michael Myers. (laughs) Right. Right. Out of the big three. So you've got two thirds of the big three there. Right. So throw in Michael Myers and maybe Pinhead and you've got a full lineup. You yeah. Get, like a whole basketball team there.
1: Yeah, we've got Robert Englund, Ted Ramey, Angus Scrim, Joseph Pilato, Buck Flower, Reggie Bannister, Kane Hodder, and Tony Todd. As well as little random Easter egg cameos by Robert Kurtzman himself, Howard Berger, and Tom Savini in an uncredited role.
0: Yeah, I'm, it surprised me that they didn't credit Tom Savini. and And I don't know. Maybe he's bigger now than he was then, but I guess it's kind of hindsight. Yeah. Knowing that he's kind of one of the godfathers of horror, at yeah. least from an effects standpoint. Exactly. For him to be uncredited in a movie, but yeah, I agree. It's got sort of an all-star cast. So I like the first one. Mm-hmm. I do like the first one. I think the cast was good. It's, I don't know, it didn't seem to be self-aware, I guess. The movie didn't, right? Because clearly it's not a big budget movie. Right. But they had a B-movie budget, mm-hmm. and they kind of acted that way, some of them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Out of those, I like Kane Hodder, his performance was a Kane Hodder performance. <laughs> he's really good at Jason. You know, we like the Hatchet series. I think he's good there. Mm-hmm. But I think this one might have been a little bit earlier in his career, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. I. I mean, well, I don't know. He'd been working for like a long time up to this point, but um.
0: But not as an actor, he was acting as a stunt man in a right a, a, a main character. Jason that never speaks. Right, so it's like anything else. I'm not. I'm not gonna dog on Kane Hodder. It's the no. more you practice your craft, the better you get.
1: Right. So. Yeah. And the guys tried. He's done a lot, especially in recent years, trying to hone his craft and become a better actor.
0: Yeah, but uh, Robert England as the collector Raymond Beaumont he's just was, great I don't know I have a hard time taking him seriously as anything other <gasps> than Freddy I just I always see Freddy
1: yeah every well, time I guess uh, I can separate myself because he even without the makeup he always comes across sinister and you know like there's just something under the surface with him he just kind of
0: looks evil yeah <laughs> He does.
1: I always find him very enjoyable.
0: And one that, um, I don't know, he's not really under the radar. Angus Scrim played the tall man in the Phantasm series, and he's our narrator. Yeah. I feel like that was kind of a waste, too, because you only get to hear him one time.
1: Yeah. Well, admittedly, Phantasm is not really my jam. I mean, I've seen the first one. I've tried to watch it several times, and I just can't get into it. Okay, but
0: there's still kind of a cult following for those movies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the guy's got a good voice. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. the narrator, he...
1: And he's creepy AF.
0: He's creepy Creepy. I could have done this. This is one of the few times I'll say I could have done with a little more narration. Yeah. Because it was good. I like Tony Todd. He was, it was sort of a bit part. It wasn't really a cameo, but you get from Tony Todd, he was what, a bouncer or a doorman? Yeah. Something like yeah, a,
1: that. A, yeah, a security guard or something. And
0: uh, he delivered Candyman. But Tony Todd's just got, that's just who he is. It's kind of like Robert England. Yeah. When I when I hear Tony Todd or when I see him, I hear and see Candyman every time. Yeah. So. Which
1: is really kind of sad because he's a theater actor. i mean I mean I feel like whatever role he plays he absolutely commands his audience like you're as soon as you hear his voice you know that you're in for something good or I mean at least in my opinion yeah. he's he's got such a great presence
0: and somebody that's not one of those horror alums that's in this movie is Vern Troyer
1: <laughs> it's so weird so
0: for those of you that don't know <laughs> Vern Troyer was mini me yeah <laughs> um, he actually when the the creature is forming uh-huh you know at the beginning of the movie at least in the present this age
1: this isn't even my final form
0: yeah he is <laughs> He's, he's actually listed as Creature Stage 1. So, <laughs> wow. So, Mini-Me was Creature Stage 1. And then George Buck Flower. The guy's been in everything. So, if you look at his IMDb listing as an actor, the guy's got like 100 movies in there. Uh-huh. Um, and he's done everything. He's done horror movies. He's done, like, background characters, which is, I think, normally what he does. Right. He's done
1: porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, if if you're a big uh, John Carpenter aficionado like myself, you know that he's usually a bum or something in the background of, you know, like they live and...
0: And he didn't disappoint. He's a bum here. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know how you get typecast as a bum, but he did. He does it well. He does. He does it very well.
1: And you also have Joseph Pilato, which he made, like, I would say it was a cameo role. It was a very brief. He's like the guy operating the, what, what do you call that machine? Crane or whatever. Yeah, he was the
0: drunk crane operator. Yeah, that, that drops the... the whole movie.
1: Really. Yeah, and he... I know him... Well, I guess everybody knows him best from Day of the Dead. Um, you know, choke on him. That's like... <laughs> he was such a dick in that movie. <laughs> like, he was the guy you love to hate. Yeah. And we also have Reggie Bannister from the Phantasm films. He's like the big hero from that whole series, The Ice Cream Man. <laughs> and again, this is not my, not my jam, so I can't tell you a whole lot about him, except that I do know that he is our main protagonist in the Phantasm series.
0: But now you probably can tell us quite a bit about the executive producer.
1: Yes, our executive producer of this film is the horror maestro himself, Wes Craven, who of course you know has brought us almost every single horror classic that ever was and spawned two of the most successful franchises in horror history being Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream.
0: So here's something that I find interesting about this whole thing. The fact that Wes Craven was involved and that this movie was made in 1997 or released in 1997 what year did scream come out 96 so he was just coming off a of scream mm-hmm. and he executive produced this again i like the movie but if you look at the quality of scream versus what got invested into wishmaster
1: you know what they're not equal you know what they tried. I actually, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate from this, I actually like this movie better than I like Scream. Oh, definitely. I mean...
0: (laughs) Definitely. I've never been one that's big on the the teen horror movies, though. You know, like, I'm not a big fan of Scream. You think you're going to get some hate. I'm not a huge fan of the big three, and you know this.
1: You're going to get hate from me. (laughs) I
0: know, but you know this. I, I just... The whole teenagers going and having sex and doing drugs and getting killed thing—I just, I'm over it. It's they, you know, they do it right the first time, and then they make 17 sequels, (laughs) and I'm done with it. I don't know, but I don't know. I just really think that with Wes Craven's name attached to it, and I did not know this until we did did our research on it—that Wes Craven was attached to this movie. Really? Uh, Yeah, it was kind of disappointing. I I I think
1: it says Wes Craven presents, like in the title
0: card. I don't read. i tell you what, the one thing that did sort of impress me about it that I do think beats Scream is the score. Uh, Henry Manfredini.
1: Yeah, I feel like Scream has that typical, I don't know what you'd even call that, but it felt like all the 90s teen slashers that came in the wake of Scream, they all had the same score. But Harry Manfredini, however, um, is probably always going to be best known for his score work in the Friday the 13th series. I mean, I've watched movies that weren't Friday the 13th that he scored, and I said, oh, that's Harry Manfredini, because it just has a very distinct sound, you know? It
0: sounds (laughs) Manfredini-ish.
1: I guess, but... Yeah, it's very high-pitched piano stuff, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but definitely his scores are always impressive, at, le- at least to me, and in particular, at the very beginning of this film, this is very bombastic, just foreboding score that you get over Agus Grimm's narration, and so you're like, oh, what am I about to get into here?
0: And you know what? The opening does not disappoint.
1: No, no. The
0: opening is no. very good. So, So, moving into that, let's talk about your favorite parts of the movie. What do you like the most about this movie?
1: Oh my gosh. Like I said, first time I saw this, I was like 15 or 16 years old. My horror history had had not quite... White picked up yet? I mean, I've seen most of the big 3 stuff as a kid. But this is where I started branching off and trying to add more to my internal catalog. And the opening scene for me, man, I was just like, that's it. I'm whatever happens after this, I don't care cuz I am fully invested. I mean, those first 10 minutes of this movie are just amazing. All the practical work, all the gore. It's, yeah, I don't even know how to describe that.
0: So this was probably one of the best horror movie intros scene. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, uh, well, you said it earlier, K&B basically did this, right? Yes. I mean, were they they K&B then?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think it was much later when they disbanded and uh, Gregory Nicotero went off and did Walking Dead and all that stuff. Okay,
0: but yeah, they went to work. Yeah. On, on this movie. And I The, the intro, Amy. the very beginning, so you get that whole, I don't know, it's almost like, uh, what was that, Hellraiser 3 in the, in oh, the club? Oh, the
1: nightclub scene. The
0: nightclub scene.
1: Oh, yeah, you for sure. You get it sort
0: of at the beginning of this movie and you get it at the end, but better.
1: And maybe that's because of Peter Adkins' writing, you know, because he wrote both of those films. Definitely get Hellraiser 3 vibes from, well, I, not even just the beginning. You get it for, I would say, a pretty good portion. You can you can see the similarity and the writing between the two films.
0: It feels very familiar. Yes, but yeah, I, I really enjoy the the special effects in oh, this movie. Yeah, they did a really good job. I love a it's, massacre. Everything is, <laughs> everything's over the top, uh-huh. and it's original. And that's one of the things that I that I really enjoy about she, this. Yeah, there's kills like, are original. Like how can you see a guy laying on the <laughs> ground and his skeleton gets up out of his body?
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: I I've never seen that again. And but it kind of comes back to Hellraiser, right? That's something you would see in Hellraiser. That you wouldn't surprise you to see it there. Oh,
1: well, maybe not. Um,
0: but people get turned into trees. People get turned into snakes. Kane Hodder gets turned into stained glass.
1: Yeah. At one point.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: There's a lot of lot of interesting and. I believe this was like one of the first movies to kind of start trying... Or one of the first horror movies, I'm sorry, to start trying CG out. And so, regretfully, where they do have CG, it's not wonderful. But, I mean, it's 1997. You know, we're not talking Jurassic Park here. So, obviously, it was in its early stages. But the practical effects are on point. Like, 100%. They did. They
0: were fantastic.
1: God, I miss practical effects.
0: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have to say that probably my favorite part of this whole movie is not the effects. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of this movie is Andrew DeVoff.
1: Absolutely.
0: As the gin. Yeah. And it's really sad that they didn't use him in the last two. I think it would have oh, been would've. so much better. And I think it's cuz Andrew DeVoff and Andrew if you hear this I'm sorry but you're kind of creepy anyway. <laughs> But he's got a good voice. Oh, yeah. Um, and and he just, he gives off that really sinister vibe just with his own face without yeah. the makeup. He's like he's snake-like. Like, he's kind of a scary guy right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely.
0: But I, but I, he's a
1: snappy dresser.
0: He is a snappy dresser. <laughs> he's very polite. He will very politely kill you. Right. <laughs> um, and with a smile. Yes. So, but yeah, I think he made the movie. And it's it's really sad that we haven't seen more from him. As, as a horror movie villain.
1: Well, the only other movie that I have seen him in that I really liked his character was Faust, Love of the Damned, played a character called M. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the... I don't know if it's a comic or a graphic novel. It's it's another low-budget movie, but he absolutely shines in his part. Well, He's always sinister. Maybe that's we need to cover. Could, could be. Could maybe, be.
0: That's, maybe that's something in our future. But yeah, Andrew DeVoff in and the special effects. That's, that's really what did it for me in this movie.
1: And just the, the creature, his own creature of effect. You know, uh, the gin itself is really, really good. I mean, he's disgusting looking. He's scary. I mean, I, I love that his horns are almost like appendages. They just kind of, they whip, <laughs> you know, he whips his hair. <laughs> he whips his horns. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Well, no, I, I get what you mean because there are several instances there where you think well, it's a horn, but then they kind of come, come down the back of his head and over his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like dreadlocks and, almost. And they're they're kind of like wiggling a little bit. It's like of the Hutt's tail, you know? Sort of moving <laughs> around a little bit there. But it's interesting. Character creation was very good. The kills were very good. Absolutely. Overall, this movie's a watch for me.
1: Yeah. You know? I mean, it's it's not perfect. It's not going to win any Oscars. Some of the acting choices you know, were eh. But I actually thought everybody did pretty well with what they were given I mean I I was sold on it I believed it so uh, I know some people's criticism is that they didn't like the ending they thought it was too easy but
0: it was it was too easy
1: I mean I don't know I guess I'm gonna defend it because it's like I thought that was like the smartest thing she could do like yeah it doesn't destroy him per se but I mean out of, out of her hair, so that'd be all I can do. <laughs> he
0: is. She just created a problem for future generations. And while I would, <laughs> while I would love to say that it is a very simple end, mm-hmm. so for her to just wish that what's-his-face, the crane operator hadn't been drinking that day so the statue never get dropped and essentially the whole movie never happens, right? Right. It feels lazy, but at the same time, if you look at how he has granted wishes throughout this entire movie, uh-huh. I don't know how else you get out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't... I, I, it, it feels like a lazy ending, but I don't have a better answer. Yeah. Yeah. To defeat the djinn.
1: I mean, I'm not a (laughs) scriptwriter.
0: Because everything that everyone else has wished for has ended badly for them. Yeah. So while I I don't care for it, um, I feel like it probably made the most sense. Right. I guess I'm not mm-hmm. creative enough to come up with some other way that she could have like weaseled her way out of it and killed right. him. Because um, in one movie, somebody wishes for him to kill himself and shoots himself in the head and his brain just grows right back. Right. So.
1: I was happy with it. I, you know, I felt satisfied. I got what I wanted out of it and it kicked ass.
0: Yeah. I, again, it, it's kind of like the Dark Tower series, right? For any of you listening who read Stephen King, the Dark Tower, you read the last book. There's, you get to the end, what Stephen King intended is the end. And he says, there's like an afterward says, don't read anymore if you really like me. Well, I read anyway <laughs> and read the, the ending that he read. And I hated it, Uh, but at the same time, (laughs) did you throw the
1: book out of your car? I was,
0: I was sitting. Yeah, I was at lunch. (laughs) Reading it in my pickup, and it made me so mad. The ending made me so mad. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. If you haven't read it, it's worth it. Read it. If Renee listens to this, she's going to know exactly what I'm talking about because I'm sure she's read it. I got so mad at the ending, I threw the book out the window. It was like a $40 hardback. I started to leave it there, too.
1: Oh, come on. I was
0: going to leave it in a parking lot. Um, but at the same time, I don't know how else they would do it differently. And I guess this one kind of fits the same
1: way. I th- I personally think that it was a brilliant ending, but what do but I know? I
0: think we are we are definitely a minority in liking this movie because if you look at the rating on IMDb, the user reviews, it gives it a 5.8 out of 10. And sadly, this is the highest rated one of Yeah, the well, what do they know? Nothing. They know nothing Jon Snow. <laughs> so I guess we could move on to the second one.
1: Ugh. Okay. Let's see if
0: we can wade through number two.
1: So, Wishmaster 2, Evil Never Dies, directed by Jack Shoulder. And I think it's once again written by Peter Atkins. I could be wrong. Actually, I think Jack Shoulder did write this too. And you may know Jack Shoulder from the infamous Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. But I don't know a whole lot in his filmography. Maybe The Hidden, which I've never seen. I probably should. But... He also did Alone in the Dark. Oh yeah, that's right, that Jack Palance movie. Mm-hmm. I have, which I haven't seen either, but I have heard of it. So there's not a lot for me to love in this movie. <laughs> I mean, uh, we do have Andrew Davoff reprising his role, which is good. He's always welcome in these films to me. Um, and we have some other weird, quirky casting, like uh, Robert Lassardo, as you know, TV junkies may know as his character Nip Tuck. Escobar Gallardo and we also have Tommy Lister that of course everybody knows is Debo from Friday and apart from that the casting choices are just fucking weird. So
0: you're not gonna tell everybody about Paul Johansson? And how you know him from One Tree Hill? Uh, yes. Are you going to admit that you watched all of it more than once? It's
1: my sister's fault. Yes, I did watch One Tree Hill and Paul Johansson was, of course, the dick dad who later turned vigilante <laughs> some weird shit. But to be fair, I've only watched that series one time, so.
0: You still, that, you don't get out of it. <laughs> you can't get away from that. That's something you can't undo.
1: So, Travis, let me interrupt you. Do You got anything fun for us for part two?
0: Ugh. Well, so the story is—I guess the quick version of the story is that a, a like an art dealer's—you get the impression that it is the the collection uh, that belonged to Robert England in the first one, uh-huh. sort of—and because the, the I wasn't gem,
1: clear on that. Yeah,
0: so the gem's back in the statue, and a stray shot from our main protagonist is what breaks it, and the gem gets out, and or they find it. So basically, it's a robbery gone wrong, mm-hmm. um, unleashes the gem, and then the main character spends the rest of the movie in her underwear talking about getting pure. <laughs> Um, She purifies herself by sleeping with the priest played by that Johansson guy. I don't think
1: that's how she purifies herself.
0: Oh yeah, she purified through boning. (laughs) And that's it. That's the whole thing. She runs around in her underwear and you have your your kind of final showdown.
1: So on the plus side, this one still features some like really out there kills. Like there's a guy that literally fucks himself, which is highly entertaining if you've not seen this. I suggest you do. It's going to be the last one I suggest you watch. But there's like ninjas and then there's like another huge massacre scene in a casino. But it just didn't quite capture the same magic for me as the first one did
0: it didn't land as well so the practical effects I think were still good yeah they, they were, were still they good, were decent even though k and b didn't do this one mm-hmm. looking at you know, your makeup department your effects people it wasn't anybody that I, I really recognized I don't know but they still did a good job uh, with the effects the movie just didn't I don't know it just didn't have the same feeling I guess as the other one maybe it was the casting Andrew Devoff's still great yes if anything I almost enjoyed his performance in this one better than the other one here's the deal like when he's in prison with that weird creepy smile on his face all the time yeah it was almost a comedic performance yeah but you really get to go deep into his creepiness he really
1: does ham it up <clears> sometimes <throat> but in the best possible way it is
0: and, and so i i enjoyed that part of it outside of that this is a terrible movie <laughs> And it's not the worst one.
1: No, like, I can still find enjoyment in this movie. Um, I got a lot that I don't like. More more dislikes than likes. But I overall still enjoyed it. it it's not one that I would skip watching. If it if it were on, I, I'll still watch it.
0: Yeah, I'll watch the first one and I'll watch this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's almost where I have to draw the line. Again, the, the effects were good. Andrew Devoff is still good. The plot's thin.
1: Well, um, my problem with it is I don't know why they decided that they needed to work this religion angle into it. Like, for to me, it didn't make sense in the, in the mythology, right? Like, Hellraiser, you know, when they bring the religion stuff into it, that's, it's, well, it feels more <clears throat> organic. But in here, it just come, feels like it comes out of left field. Well, but
0: bringing the religion aspect into it, and I'm not going to say it really ties more into the lore behind the djinn in, in uh, Middle Eastern culture, but so you've actually, I think it's Islam, is that uh, you've got the angels made of light, the jinn made of fire, and man made of dirt. Uh-huh. So the jinn are kind of trapped in the middle, so there's some religious aspect in there. I just don't know that they, they just didn't do it right. Like, they could have worked religion in there somehow, just not the way they did it.
1: Not like American not Christianity. The
0: <laughs> Dick Dad Vigilani guy from One Tree Hill being a priest <laughs> that's boning the main character to purify her.
1: Well, to be fair, he doesn't bone her until like three quarters of the way of the movie, but we're supposed to go on this journey with her to make herself pure because she's, she's trash. She's a trash human being. You know, she's killed people. She's robbed people. There's nothing redeeming about her
0: but wait if she sleeps with the priest and takes out her nose ring
1: and cuts off her pinky and
0: cuts off her pinky finger (laughs) then she's pure and she can go defeat the gym
1: if you say so okay
0: I didn't say so the writer said so
1: (laughs) and I just I couldn't understand why I mean did they have 13 year old boys write this movie I mean because she's basically in her underwear for the entire movie
0: see I wasn't joking about that she really is she's (laughs) wearing like a midriff top and underwear and oh, like, rolling around on her bed. Not the in a sexual way necessarily. Clearly the writer intended for it to be that way, but yeah. She spends most of the movie at home running around in her underwear. And I, just I just can't
1: take her seriously. It's not even
0: like final girl running around in your underwear, like the monster's chasing you. She's just hanging out. Yeah. And I don't get it. I, I don't understand how any of that forwarded the plot.
1: I mean, bless her. She tried. I just couldn't take her seriously as a character because it was just all that dramatic, uh ah, rolling around in bed. Oh, my underwear. Somebody save me. Just like, uh, rolled my eyes. Yeah.
0: It was, <laughs> this movie just didn't do it. Again, if it's on, I'll watch it, but it. But just- But only for
1: Andrew DeVoff.
0: Yeah. That's basically
1: it. Yeah. I wish I could just slow dance with you one time out in the yard. <laughs> Such a weird line. What the
0: hell is that line anyway? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't even make sense. So he goes from prison to a casino. Yeah, right? that... that... Well, here's the deal. Like, the the guy that he was in prison that was, like, telling him, hey, you want to grant wishes, here's some people you can grant wishes to. Yeah. So he ends up at the casino. So they do write it in there to, like, give him a pathway to capture a thousand and one souls, right? I
1: think. they And then he's got remember. to capture a
0: thousand souls or something like that. To, yeah. So that when the third wish is granted by the, the person that summoned him, then he can bring his evil Brothers. brethren to... Uh, into the, into our world. So they do provide a pathway for it. They just didn't sell it very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go like, it's one shot, you're in prison and then we're like fade to black or it's a wipe, you know, yeah. <laughs> transition into now we're in a casino and I'm following this guy around and all these people wish they could win. So, and I mean, and at one point doesn't, isn't there a woman who starts like, <laughs> she has coins falling out of somewhere.
1: Oh, right. She has corns falling out of her butthole. Yeah. <laughs> it's very but weird. Again,
0: some weird choices. It's some weird choices. Some of the worst CGI ever.
1: Yeah. You smell like that plague, that <clears throat> yeah, locust the plague. plague of
0: locusts where it's just like a <laughs> bunch of black dots flying around on the screen. Yeah. It doesn't make sense at all. Right. But again, the thing that entertains me about that scene is that some of the kills are good and Andrew DeVoff because he's got that bizarre grin on his face the whole time.
1: Yeah. And didn't you say, like, most of this cast, apart from like Paul Johansson's not, obviously, he's done other things, but didn't you say that, like, the majority of this movie and starting forward are like softcore porn actors?
0: Yes. Yes. So if you go and you try to find the filmographies for a lot of these folks, this one's not as bad, but in three and four, there's a lot of softcore porn in there.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm just thinking it might explain some of the acting choices.
0: There's, there's is, is the main
1: protagonist a softcore <clears throat> porn actress? No,
0: I didn't see anything like that on hers. Uh, but there's a lot of them where the title of the movie they were in is just one word. And then it doesn't show the cover art for the movie. Uh-huh. So I'm just assuming that they can't. Uh-huh. But when you get a movie title like Scandalous and there's no box art, like you, you kind of know.
1: <laughs> so not like chubby O'Toole stuff. Just no, no, like no. This was, all, stuff. this was all
0: like Marilyn Chambers crap. Some of them <laughs> even starred with Marilyn Chambers. So, wow. Or in some of her movies. So, Yeah, that does explain some of the acting that you get in these movies. The they're real riots. people
1: not paid actors. Yeah.
0: No, they're real something. <laughs> overall go
1: would, ahead and see it just, i would say go it. ahead
0: and see it watch the first one watch the second it's one. still
1: entertaining um
0: yeah you'll be entertained by it if nothing else you'll get a good laugh you'll get a laugh out of some of the bizarre choices that they make and you'll get a laugh out of uh, watching andrew devoff wander around like he's high
1: and of course a dude fucking himself
0: and a lawyer who got told to go fuck himself so he does <laughs> that's actually pretty great
1: yeah it's pretty hilarious
0: so, what do you say? You ready to move on to the, the downhill side of this?
1: Okay, well, you say downhill side. I still think there's one that has a little merit. I... But go ahead. Let's move on into part three. All right. So, number three. This
0: is Wishmaster 3 Beyond the Gates of Hell, made in 2001. So, the quick overview, and this is going to be way too long anyway for the content that's actually in this movie. I think this is the one you hate the most, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So, the Wishmaster returns, and it's a he's on a college campus, who finds the jewel inside a puzzle box that her professors got her working on. Funny puzzle box. <laughs> and then once he gets released, he disguises himself as the professor, um, kills people all over the campus, um, and is in an effort to force the protagonist, Diana, to make her three wishes. Um, at some point, she uses one of her wishes to summon the Archangel Michael so that they can use the Michael sword to Oy. kill the djinn. Um, and she attempts to sacrifice herself to save her boyfriend who is possessed by Michael so then she can wield the sword and she kills the djinn. That's the whole movie and it feels like that still took too long to talk (laughs) about. This is a terrible movie. What do you think about it, Ash?
1: Well, this is like... This one in part four were filmed back to back and it shows like you can tell that these were just afterthoughts like.
0: And this is where you really get into. They recruited softcore porn actors <laughs> for this movie and you can tell. And it's shot like a soap opera. It looks like a soap opera.
1: Yeah. So the next two are directed to have same director, Chris Angel, and you feel like you're watching soaps. I mean, honestly, they feel like that, that level of quality. And when we get to part four, part four for me, has its merits maybe it's because it's a different writer but i don't have anything i like about this movie like literally not one thing what about you no
0: (laughs) this movie has no redeeming qualities whatsoever i have
1: a lot of things i hate though
0: And, and if you go here's the thing though if you go look at chris angel's filmography um he did movies like wishmaster two or three he did three he does number four, and he does a ton of movies that you've never heard of before. <laughs> and I think that there's probably a reason for that. So it, there's just nothing good about this movie the effects were not up to par Andrew DeVoff is not in it like that's yes. the main detractor like honestly i might like this movie if andrew devoff had been the gen uh, okay i'm lying i still would not like it even if he'd been in there i would, I would like him
1: like... i would like him i would still not would like this movie
0: yeah but and... he could have made this movie better but they recast the gen
1: yeah um
0: and they used john novak
1: yeah and... which i've never heard <clears throat> of I mean, not so no he does, he does this nothing against the, the actor. One. I've just never heard of him before.
0: Yeah, I had never, never heard of this guy before. I don't know of anything that he was in, but, but. it just overall was not good. The plot was flimsy. The effects just weren't where they needed to be. The uh, the gin they did different makeup or the, the whoever did the the costume design. Like you can, it's still the Wishmaster, but it looks a little bit different. It's
1: not on par it looks with
0: less slimy and scary and a little more Power Ranger villainy.
1: Right, exactly. Um, that's 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 a good analogy.
0: You can tell that some of his parts are made out of foam. Yeah, <laughs>
1: like, or you, I don't know, it's and it's just awful.
0: The only one that I think did a good job is uh, Jason Connery. He was the guy that played the professor because Ugh. he really can sell being a creep.
1: Oh well, that's true.
0: <clears throat> he is a really good creep yeah. in this movie.
1: He's a skis.
0: He really is. He just <laughs> wants to sleep with all of his students. But honestly, he he probably gets what he deserves because he gets killed. Fairly quickly. And Jen takes him over. Yeah. But it's just not good. No. It's not a good movie. It's really not. And it just, it's downhill, right? Until you get to the point where she's, what, in the church having that showdown. And she summons Michael with one of her wishes. And at that point, it's no longer downhill. It's a free fall. (laughs) You've been tossed out of the airplane without a parachute. It's going down as fast as you can possibly go down. It's terminal velocity.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, I have a lot of complaints about this movie and I'm sorry for anyone who does actually like this or find any redeeming qualities but my problem is is they tried to they got really heavy-handed with the religion aspect again and they tried to throw it into a teen slasher because basically that's what this movie tried to be. It's it started okay well we're gonna work off of everything that was popular at the time like scream and I know what you did last summer urban legend and was you know trying to basically cash in on that same thing and it does not work whatsoever. I mean Michael like save that for Sam and Dean Winchester because it does not belong here.
0: No, I don't even know where they got this idea.
1: Maybe the prophecy, but you know, you're you're taking Viggo Mortensen, you know, who did an amazing job as Lucifer, and trying to get a bunch of teens that you see in every other teen movie around that time. Well, let's put this in perspective, though. (laughs) Apples
0: and oranges. Okay, but the writer. Um, Alex Wright He was the writer For this movie And other than Some low budget Horror movies That you probably Find them on Shudder And a couple of them that Hey don't knock Shudder I'm not I'm just saying Not every movie They have on there Is the best I'm sure You got a couple of them That look like Maybe They're sort of In that Marilyn Chambers Area And outside of that It looks like A lot of Lifetime movies yeah. Like that's Those are the ones that he seems to be known for. Like The Perfect Bride and The Mistletoe Inn and Hope for Christmas. And I feel like maybe, after, maybe it was after this movie he decided that his writing style lent it more to Hallmark Channel than to horror movies. Because this just didn't work. The story didn't work at all.
1: I don't know. I mean, we do have, like, if you are into the teen slashers or horror in general. Most of most of our, quote, teen cast were recognizable. You have A.J. Cook and obviously know her from Final Destination 2. There's a guy that's like, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he's like in uh, Disturbing Behavior, in the Carrie remake. Um, you have Emmanuel Vaugier who... And she always seems like she plays the same character and everything. I mean, there's not really any standouts for me except for maybe Saw Two. You know, she's the chick that gets her wrists in the glass box and ends up having to cut her wrists in so order to her. get the antidote. Yeah, but basically everything else she plays is just the same college girl type of thing and kind of gets around. Maybe, maybe but there's just apart from that it the acting is horrible it's got some of the most atrocious acting I wouldn't say it's on the same level as the room by any means but it's not good it's
0: definitely in (laughs) the runner-up category though
1: and I mean whoever Alex Wright obviously wrote the movie but he ripped a line like almost verbatim out of Hellraiser 3 it's uh oh let me see guy says oh Jesus and then the djinn says not even close it's so oh my gosh I just rolled my eyes so hard like they literally rolled in the back of my head because everybody that knows Hellraiser 3 knows that the line from there is much better
0: <laughs> so it's kind of like maybe he was just trying to pull off of some of Peter Atkins other work
1: maybe I don't know it didn't work, though. Um, Some of the most stupid dialogue. And when the actor who ends up becoming, he plays two roles. He plays the protagonist's boyfriend, but he also plays Michael. I guess he's his vessel if we want to talk supernatural again. <laughs> but he, once he turns into the Michael character, his line delivery and tone of his voice is just god awful. Like I was ready to turn this movie off. I mean, it was such a slog to get through, honestly. Yeah.
0: And even as Michael, he didn't put up any better fight than the boyfriend without Michael would have. Yeah. He was pretty Effective as an archangel. Yeah. I think maybe they just didn't know what to do with it. The whole movie feels clumsy. It
1: does. There's continuity errors. It's just it's a lot and it's not it's not any good this is n- is not one I would suggest to other people the The makeup is bad I mean pick your thing there's a lot to choose from if you throw a rock at this movie you're going to hit something awful <laughs> every time pretty every much
0: time. <clears throat> so I guess at the end of the day what we're saying is this is not a movie where this watching. is
1: one you can skip for sure yeah. unless you're just a completionist like I am
0: yeah and even though it's, it's not mid-series it's kind of close to the end this is not one where you're going to miss lore or anything like that oh, by no. skipping the movie
1: no they didn't um, add Anything new? Bring anything new to the table? No, they really didn't.
0: And, and I know that there's some movies like that. You can't really omit one in the middle of the series because then you might miss something that is pertinent later on. This is not that movie. It really has no redeeming qualities. <laughs>
1: it really. <doesn't. laughs> and I hate to
0: say that because I'm sure a lot of people worked hard on it, but I'm oh, not absolutely. the only one that feels that way because the user rating on IMDb is a 3.6. Yeah. Out of 10, I think that's the lowest one of the four. <laughs> Um, But I think number four is not a whole lot higher than that. So without further ado, let's move on to number four.
1: So Wishmaster 4, The Prophecy Fulfilled was released in 2002, immediately back to back with part three. I believe there was like a couple of months between the two is what I read. So that's like wow like they didn't even waste any time
0: yeah and they recast it I mean Chris Angel must have already had all this lined up somebody had a plan yeah that we're gonna do this movie and then we're gonna do this movie because there's no way they did all the casting and got a writer on board and all that stuff in that small amount of time so that means that there wasn't just a ton of thought put into it (laughs) and you can kind of tell when you watch the movie so what's give us the the overview what's the story about
1: So basically this girl and her boyfriend he's been in an accident or he's uh, paraplegic and she they're trying to win a lawsuit I guess I, I don't think they're ever clear like against the maker the of the motorcycle that he had the accident on I don't
0: know they're they're suing somebody
1: Yeah and their attorney ends up gives her a gift and it's inside it is the gem which it's released.
0: It's another puzzle box. Is of it? Sorts. it w-
1: yeah, sort of. It's like. I don't remember it's like a star or something yeah. so basically kind of the same story we're accustomed to but this time with a twist now Travis will probably say this one is still shit but I actually kind of find some redeeming qualities in this one I found it more enjoyable definitely than the last one but Travis why don't you tell us what you liked about it nothing
0: <laughs> uh, nothing about this movie <clears throat> so you know before i said that the other one like you you're on you're kind of on a downhill and then you get knocked out of the airplane and it's a free fall so the only difference between this one and the last one is that somewhere in that free fall you found the ripcord to your parachute like you are still <laughs> going straight down and fast <laughs> it's just my biggest issue with this okay i got a lot of issues with this my biggest issue with it is that they tried to turn it into a love story right
1: see that's one of <clears throat> my that's actually what i like about it
0: i hate that about it <laughs> The, well, the reason the first two worked is because there's no love story there. Not really. The second one, they started, eh, a little bit. The first one, there's no love story really in it, other than the girl's boyfriend being the one that really unleashes the gin out of the gym. But this one, that's it. It's a soap opera. It's, it's like a lifetime movie love triangle, sort of, except it's not a love triangle because the boyfriend that's in the wheelchair doesn't want her anymore or something. Like he's acting, he's very abusive, right? And that kind of annoys me that I, it's like he almost like he blames her for him being in the wheelchair and it's because he can't. Uh, Uh, perform anymore. (laughs) Like that was the whole relationship was based on that for him and now he can't, so it's like he's pushing her away the whole time and then he gets pissed off when she goes away. I don't know. It's just the plot's terrible. I hate this movie. What about you?
1: Well, all of those things that you just talked about I actually found refreshing this time around because I felt like at least they tried to do something a little different. It wasn't just wash, rinse, repeat, you know. I will say that yes, it does feel very soapy. Um, it feels very skinemaxy because the TNA is ramped up to 11 in this one. I mean, there's like a lot of sex. There's a lot of titties. There's like strippers. I mean, it's, it's a lot where it's like, okay. So are we just assuming that females are not watching these movies at all? Because I don't know. But the flip side of that, if I can be superficial for a minute, is that this is the first time we actually have an attractive vessel. <laughs> Like, I remember being like, oh, okay, you know, no more creepy guys, no more skeezy guys. Like, this guy, this vessel that that the djinn takes over is not a bad guy from the jump. He knows that the girl's unhappy in her relationship, but he's not being a douche about it. Like, he seems to genuinely have feelings for her so some of that carries on to the gin where the chin seems to form feelings for our protagonist and I just thought that was that was inventive it was a choice
0: I don't understand the choice <laughs> I don't so the, the actor, the the character, the lawyer, he felt that way. So somehow, somehow, this evil Jin cuts his face off and puts it on, and now all of a sudden he has the same feelings. Like that doesn't make sense. At Maybe all. not. It didn't work like that in any of their movies.
1: Maybe not. But there's a lot of potholes in this series. Like a lot. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> But, like I said, I actually kind of found that... I found it more entertaining and more... Uh, what am I thinking? It was it was more easy to follow or get get into than the last entry, for sure. I
0: don't know if it was easier to get into. I can say that I, I probably... Maybe I don't hate this one quite as much as I hate number three. And... I think it's because it doesn't feel as serious to me. Or at least the Jin, who is still played by John Novak, is. it doesn't feel as serious. He's not quite as serious. He's got, you know, they throw a couple of one-liners in there from him. Uh, they're not good enough for me to know what they are and be able to repeat them. But, you know, there's a couple of lines in there where you kind of get a chuckle. Now, they take yeah. the Power Rangers special effects up to 11 in this one. Like, I'm not kidding. He is so bad. You just have to see it. Like, I can't describe how much it looks like he's wearing a foam rubber suit because I'm sure he's wearing a foam rubber suit.
1: <laughs> I felt like the the overall story was just better. Maybe that's just me. I, it's, just um, it's obviously just me. But the one thing that I thought was hilarious was the casting choices because along with our vessel being more attractive, it was like they cast a catalog of models for the entirety of this cast. Like I think I even remember when we were watching it you were like oh my gosh what is the deal? <laughs> like They just had a thing with like these dark-haired guys and you know very chiseled jawlines and all that and instead of working a Michael angle this time they decided to work in a Highlander storyline. <laughs> I don't remember. They just have this guy show up out of nowhere with a giant sword and he's supposed to track down the gin and... Yeah,
0: what's he? The hunter? You yeah. know what they call him? So, yeah. Like, he's about. Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod <laughs> and he's going to come kill the djinn with his sword?
1: There can only be one.
0: I, it just... <laughs> none of this movie
1: worked for me. None uh, of it. It was silly. I will give it that. But apart from that, I don't really have anything that I really liked other than that stuff. big drawback for me was the boyfriend character because all, you had to listen to his incessant whining and brooding for 90 minutes and it just got so old so fast. I was just I was so over that character. I mean this was the first time I actually rooted for the gin and I'm like, go ahead, take your lady. like get rid of this cripple here. <laughs>
0: Oh, I can't believe you just said that. <clears throat> My issue with him was just this. He just wanted, I don't know, I want to say attention, but that wasn't it. He really just wanted to, to live in his own misery and he yeah. wanted to take her with him.
1: And what long term relationship is strictly based on sex? I mean, do feelings have nothing like. Well, apparently he could not love her unless they could have sex right. or something. Or I he mean, she that was she could, taking care of him and like. Yeah,
0: I just, I don't know. If that that's not really
1: love, I don't know what is. weak to me. Like my dick don't work, and man. And we're supposed
0: to believe that at the end he comes back and tries to save her. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, at that point, would she even want to really be saved I
1: by him? I wouldn't. I don't know. Like, I mean, if, if, in her uh, position,
0: I would've been like, "Listen, you just keep being this hot dude, and I'm staying with you. You're like all-powerful gin guy."
1: Yeah. Right.
0: I mean, just kick like, this dude to the curb. He offered he her went, a
1: lot of shit too. Like, we can live in paradise and not yeah. be like, "All right, I'm yeah. okay."
0: And the worst part is, is that even after just she don't made, turn into that gin guy. Yeah. She made. <laughs> what was it? Was it a wish? Did she make a formal wish? For him to be able to walk again. Yes. And even then he was still a dick. Yeah. Because his didn't work. Yeah. And I don't I don't know. Yep. Like I said, I just didn't I didn't like this movie at all. I guess from a maybe a production standpoint or whatever, it's not quite as bad as the other one. It's I don't know. It's still it's a, pretty it's a, bad. It's such a fine line, it's hard for me to say which one's worst. If you look at the the reviews, it's a it's a four out of ten. So yeah. it's, it's point two. Slightly better.
1: better than part three.
0: I wouldn't even call it slightly. That's such a fine line there. It's well, just... for
1: you. But for me, it is slightly better than the last one. I, Like I said, I, I enjoyed the story a little bit more. I was more engaged in this one than I was the last one. The last one, like I said, just felt like such a chore to have to sit through. So
0: overall, out of the four, number one, watch it or skip it? Watch it. Buy it. Number two? Uh, watch it. Number three? Skip it. And number four?
1: Watch it. Free watch on Prime. It.
0: <laughs> oh I can't go with you on either one of those those <laughs> last two.
1: Hey, I said skip it for part three. You me, can go with me on that.
0: For me, number one and number two, they're both worth a watch. But do yourself a favor and just stop there. <laughs> just just don't. You're not, it's it's going to be, what, 90 minutes of your life that you can't get back times two. So just don't. <laughs> they're terrible. But uh, that that's going to just about wrap it up.
1: What do you think of the series as a whole, like in general?
0: I like the idea of it. I think it was a good idea to begin with because the djinn, the whole Middle Eastern culture necessarily, but the mythology. hmm is, is not something that's really been explored, at least in media or well, not, you know, not so in movies.
1: Apart from Robin Williams.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's really it. But yeah. They haven't really done much of it. And I think it's got there's some interesting stuff there. Um it's
1: an interesting I premise. Just,
0: I just feel like it didn't get fully explored with this series. And I know that there was talk of of doing a reboot and I think Alexander Devoff wrote a script actually for a remake but I don't think it ever happened. I think it's got potential but it's kind of like a couple of the other movies we've talked about. It needs it needs a good director it needs a really good writer and they need to throw some money at it. I think, I think there's a good foundation there in this idea they just haven't fully realized it yet.
1: Right. So if Andrew Devoff came back, yes, I would be the first one in line to go watch another Wishmaster movie. It is a really good premise. It's an original premise. I feel like using it in horror aspect as opposed to singing blue guy well, and the
0: thing is, is that in addition to writing the script, he said that he would like to do it again. Yeah. He would be, he would play the gin again, the wishmaster again. Yeah. But I, I don't know, even, even with him in it, I don't know that I'm interested in watching another bad edition of it.
1: I, I think I still would, but only if he was in it. Yeah. So I guess that's my opinion is the series as a whole, pretty, pretty good, pretty interesting story or idea. Um, yeah. Wasn't executed well, but like I said, if they're on, I'll watch him. I own the first one, of course. Be sure to let us know what you guys think about Wishmaster or the Wishmaster series as a whole. Do you have favorites? Do you hate them? Are they hot garbage? Let us know.
0: Yeah, and if there's something I missed in the last two Wishmaster 3 and 4 that make them a good movie, please let me know. I would love to see something redeeming in one of those two movies, but I don't think you'll find it. So
1: that's going to do it for us, guys. I want to give a quick shout out to our content creator of the week. And that honor this week is going to be bestowed to Dr. Woofila. You can find him on YouTube and for the last 10 years, he has offered a plethora of content from movie reviews to play along or watch and play games, um, horror unboxings. He's got multiple characters and he's hilarious. He's so knowledgeable. He's very good at what he does and he's just overall a good time. And if there's something you love, he's more than likely covered it. So be sure to get on YouTube or his discord and check him out. All right, well we'll see you next week when we cover the 2020 film PG Psycho Goreman and I cannot wait to get into this one.
0: Yeah, even I like this one. (laughs) I love this movie. It's going to be a good time. So, y'all have to come back and see us. Bye.
1: Bye.